Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My name is Sugata Mitra, uh, and I'm a professor of educational technology at the School of Education, Communication, and Language Sciences, Newcastle University, England. And what is it you're working on at the moment? Well, I work in the general area of children's learning, particularly children and their interaction with the Internet, and in what ways that might impact their learning. So a lot of people see that children spending a lot of time on the internet as a negative thing. We think that they're not going to be reading, they're maybe not going to be learning so much, they're just going to be playing games. Is that something you see as a problem? No, I don't see it as a problem. I think there is a, a bit of a misunderstanding about the past in our belief about education. We tend to believe that education, with a capital E, will happen in a classroom uh, which is highly ordered and with a teacher who will impart knowledge to students who will receive it. This dates from about 200 years ago, when there was no other way for a learner to get knowledge. In fact, it dates back to thousands of years, to a time when there were no books, when knowledge resided in people's heads, in which case you need that person to talk to you in order to understand it. Then books came along, and then you said, well, you need a teacher to tell us what books to read. And then the Internet came along and it points to pieces of information. So you don't need that guidance either. But there's so much out there on the internet. How are children going to know what is a reliable source and what is just something written by someone crazy or someone who's got a vendetta, perhaps? There is also a bit of a misconception that the internet is full of rubbish. This is actually not true, and you can try it yourself. Try finding some rubbish on the internet. It's actually surprisingly hard to find inaccurate information. Yes, you can find different points of view, particularly about religion and politics, which I would keep children away from in any case. But if it was a question of science, for example, you won't find a wrong fact. Somebody would have corrected it because the internet is a self-correcting organism. Other than that, finding the right information and deciding what to believe are things that we need to learn. Children need to learn. Adults are not going to teach them. In fact, adults very frequently ask children, can you find this out from the internet for me? Because they don't know how to do it themselves. So how do we actually find out if this is a better way to learn than the sort of traditional methods? Well, how does one evaluate the outcomes of learning in any case? Our only evaluation is what kind of life you live after school. And we also know that there is absolutely no correlation between how well you did in school and how well you did at life. There is a generation growing up with the Internet, and they do most of the things using the Internet. They communicate using the Internet. They find out things using the Internet. If they live better than the children before them, then I would reckon that the internet, uh, that an Internet-based education is a better one. So I think you've been working with um, children in India who perhaps don't have access to mainstream education. What have you been doing there? Well, I worked with children who don't have access to schools and or have access to schools with not particularly good quality of education. 
The reason I did that was because morally, if you are trying a new learning approach, you should obviously work with children for whom it is more than likely to be beneficial. So if I work with children who have nothing at all, then almost anything I try would be beneficial. But having come from that end, when I now know that some of it is very beneficial, I can take it to schools in the developed world. So what benefits have you found and what have you actually been testing? What have you been asking the children to do? What I do is that I take a few computers. This is very important. I take about one computer for every four or five children and I ask them a question. And I have to make up a nice, funny, interesting, engaging question. The kind that eight, nine-year-olds ask of us. If you ask the right kind of question, they immediately engage. And because there are fewer computers than children, they have to work with each other. That's very important. Otherwise, they won't make the progress that they do. So you could, for example, ask them, how come rain doesn't fall sideways? And uh, just see where it goes. And what kind of results have you been finding when children have been doing this program? If I take the formal system, it's hard to believe, but nine-year-olds can answer the GCSE A-level, the highest school examination in Britain, by themselves. And they retain the answers for years and years. So they're actually able to work seven years ahead of their time. And do you think this is due to the interaction with the computer, or do you think it's more due to the interaction with each other? I think it has more to do with interaction with each other rather than interaction with the computer. It's just that they have an extremely powerful source of information. So do you see this as something that might be brought into all schools in the future? Yes, definitely. I, I don't think we can keep it out. So how are schools actually going to go about making this change if it's quite a big difference in teaching methods? I don't think the schools have to do very much to make this change because this change is anyway going to happen. Why will it happen anyway? Because at the moment when you're accessing the internet, I can tell that you're accessing the internet because you're staring at something. But that will go away very soon. I don't know in what form. Maybe it will be inside your ear or inside your eyeball or whatever. That's only less than a decade away, really. So if you can't tell if a person is on the internet or not, then the only thing you can do is allow the internet to be used during examinations. The day a country takes that decision or a schooling system takes that decision, everything else will change. Because the way teachers teach will change, the curriculum will change, the whole system has to change only based on one change. Allow the internet during an examination. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.